Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. On this episode of The Boost Hustle, we talk to Lynn House, spirits and cocktail educator for Heaven Hill Brands. Chances are if you've eaten out at a very cool restaurant or sat at a bar anytime in the last few years, you've likely had a cocktail that has been influenced in some way by a recipe created by Lynn. Lynn and I spend some time talking about whiskey, the Chicago bar and restaurant scene, and she shares some really unlikely ingredients that you can use at home to create your own cocktails. Uh, to me, Lynn is like the Julia Child of cocktail creation. Um, she overflows with creativity and she's just a super cool and interesting person. I really hope you enjoy listening to her as much as I enjoy talking to her. So first, let's uh, like level set. Let's talk a little bit about you. Tell me about what you're doing now at Heaven Hill. I'd love to hear about it. So my role at Heaven Hill has really evolved. I've been with Heaven Hill now for eight years. And my current title is a National um, Spirit Specialist and Portfolio Mixologist. So the thing that's really funny with Heaven Hill, we all joke that nobody has a short title <laughs> because it's a small, you know, it's still an independent company. So we all kind mm-hmm. of have three jobs within yep. our job. And of course, it's all got to be in the title. So, I mean, we just giggle about it. Like my business card is literally two lines and people are like, I'm like, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> that's what it is. You can create your own title, independent company. Just create yeah. your own <laughs> job description, your own job title. Right. Yeah. So on the spirit specialist part, gosh, I do a, a ton of education still. Um, mm-hmm. My previous role was national brand educator and I really haven't left that role um, mm-hmm. But I'm I'm working a lot with our brand teams, obviously, for recipe development, for brand strategy, POS development, um, kind of guessing at trends, you know, mm-hmm. to make sort yep. of what we're putting out there, what I think is going to be the trend for the next six months, that we're being responsible for that. Um, I do a lot of internal education with our sales team and marketing team. Uh, we have our own little HHMU, you know, university. Mm-hmm. So I do yep. a class. I do a class with that. Then, of course, external education with our brands and seminars. And obviously, during COVID, it's all been virtual. Mm-hmm. So staff trainings, um, the tastings. The tastings are kind of funny virtual. You know, you always mm-hmm. got to make sure everything showed up. Um, and then on the portfolio mixologist side, I write a huge amount of the recipes that you'll see with our brands out there for national accounts, for promotion at festivals and yep. all of that. I, I actually, I, I want to say for, for people listening that, um, you know, I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize, but like when you go out to eat or out to drink and there's really cool cocktails on the menu, 
Um, a lot of times I think there's not a lot of thought to where that stuff comes from. So someone like Lynn is the influencer of the influencers, I would say. Like when you look at a beverage uh, program, you know, there's um, oftentimes in really well-known places, there's a beverage director or a mixologist that's really great. But, you know, there's also a lot of programs out there, especially now with our staffing issues in restaurants, where they need a little more help. And, you know, people like Lynn are literally the incubators of the ideas that then get hatched to distributors that then get hatched to bartenders. And it's this really cool, um, you know, really cool process. And, you know, I don't think we often think about where those ideas come from. And you're really an innovator that way. It's like, super. what a cool job. You know? I mean, it's so odd when people ask, like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I don't have your typical job. And what I do can <laughs> literally change day to day. Like what I'm yeah. doing today is not what I'm doing tomorrow, you know? And, yeah. um, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I have been doing a lot of work this past year with distributors, really cocktail 101 and teaching them how to write recipes. Cause as you've mentioned with, unfortunately with staffing shortages and so many things happening, they're now out there, you know, and I can't travel to these accounts right now. Mm-hmm. So they're becoming little mini ambassadors. So it's like, making them feel confident that they can make suggestions of how to use the products that they're, you know, bringing to their clients and such. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like, you're kind of like the Swedish chef with, but with booze. (laughs) (laughs) I sound like it sometimes too. (laughs) Um, I, I, uh, I have to say like whiskey, um, and I know obviously you do a lot with whiskey now, was one of those things in my 20s, especially in Chicago, where I drank a lot of whiskey, but I drank it like an idiot. You know, I didn't really have any appreciation for it. And um, I I, it, um, I think it was at Blackbird. You made me a cocktail once. And I think I was one of those idiots who was like, oh, I don't really like whiskey cocktails or something. And, you know, I usually drink it as a shot. And I think you made me this cocktail. I can't remember what was in it. But I was like, there's no way this is whiskey. And you like winked at me. And I was like, who is this magical fairy godmother? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I actually want to ask you about that because um, for uh, women, especially, or people who are just getting into spirits and drinking, um, you know, how do you go about really um, getting people to understand that whiskey is our friend? (laughs) <laughs> well, I grew up with whiskey. My mom's whole family is from Kentucky, Bowling Green, Kentucky, to be exact. So whiskey was always around, you know, and I'm a child of the 60s. So, you know, parents definitely poured you a little tipple to go to bed <laughs> at mm-hmm. night back in put the day. Put it on your gums. Put, put it, it on your on gums. The, and yet. Put it on the gums. <laughs> uh, my mom tells this story because they were definitely like the madmen couple of the block. And they always hosted these awesome. crazy cocktail parties badass. And her friends would be like, how do you get the kids to sleep through the party? And my mom, <laughs> without skipping a beat, and she's like, oh, there's whiskey in their formula. Like she would put a shot. Oh my <laughs> God. DCF but, would come at you guys so hard now. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. And Listen, I grew like, up in Italian family. They used to give us a little bit of red wine. So right, I feel you. So yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, she wasn't giving making me a Manhattan. But, <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, we just give them a little of this with their juice and they sleep through the party. So I oh, grew up not being scared of it. My great grandma made moonshine and a lot nice. of home distilled spirits. So if it if it came out of the ground, my family turned it into liquor. And oh, that's um, awesome. But I think what you have to do, like for people, because I know so many people, whiskey is like scary um, 
for whatever reason, or the, and there's still this horrible perception out there that women don't drink whiskey. I mean, mm-hmm. it's getting better. I just really like to work with people. I'm like, well, what flavors do you like? Do you like mm-hmm. something sweet? I can make you something sweet. Do you like something herbaceous? I can make you something herbaceous. But it's also, I think, from a bartender's perspective is building that sense of trust. Like if, if you've never drank whiskey, I'm not going to serve you an old fashioned for your first cocktail. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not what's going to happen. Or a you curé. Well, like right. a little whiskey sour and I may throw a little pineapple juice in there or something just mm-hmm. to kind of break down that perception. You're and then, essentially putting whiskey in a baby bottle. <laughs> I'm, I'm essentially putting whiskey in a baby bottle only it's a fancy glass now. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> a little honey, a little lemon. Yeah. A little. Mixing it with the milk. The patrons go right to sleep after. <laughs> hey, milk punch. There you go. So, so good. Yeah. Oh, that's but, awesome. Yeah. And I, I just, and that's just something I always, you know, if someone came to me and they're like, I can remember, you know, someone's like, I only drink vodka. I'm like, great, I'll make you the best vodka cocktail. And then once you kind of establish that, they're like, all right, I'll try a whiskey cocktail. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, you know, they're coming in and round of Manhattans for me and my friends. And all of, that. of course, they're the biggest converts ever. Now they're the whiskey aficionados and they want to show you their collection of like, you know, absolutely of, of all the stuff they have at home. I mean, you see my whiskey collection now behind me. I don't know if you can see it, but I have I have a quite a bit of booze up there now. Um, My journey has evolved quite a bit. But I want to talk a little bit about where you came from to where you are now, because um, I'm really interested in people in the wine and spirits industry all have these really uniquely interesting backgrounds. And I'd love to hear about your background before um, this career path that you're on now. What were you doing before? Absolutely. So this is an accidental career path. Um, My degree's in theater, and I was all set to be a big Broadway star, movies, Tony Award, you know, Oscars. So I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and I went to theater school in Ohio. And then I went on um, and studied theater in Oxford, England as well. I got into a scholarship program there. And one of the reasons I moved to Chicago was the theater scene was so big here. And a lot of people who I went to school with came here. So I worked at Goodman Theater and Steppenwolf Theater and won awards. I did a ton of industrials, ton. I used to tell people that if there's a training film out there, I'm in it. <laughs> I mean, I did I did McDonald's, Motorola, Baxter Healthcare, AT&T, The Gap, like all these in-house training films and live industrials and had a really thriving career with that. But in between each show... I kept going back to work in restaurants, you know, the show would mm-hmm. close and it was such an easy job to pick up. And mm-hmm. gradually, you know, unfortunately, as you kind of hit an age, the roles start to slow down. So I was spending more time working in the restaurants. And mm-hmm. that was really when the, I guess they say the renaissance of the cocktail was starting to happen back in the, you know, early 2000s. And, mm-hmm. um, It was fun and it was creative. It was something new. I'd always grown up in spirits. I worked in fine dining, so I'd always sold spirits, sold wine, sold beer. And um, I started educating myself. And then I started going to different academies and through bar and just fell in love with it. And then suddenly, next thing I know, I'm designing cocktails and competing cocktails and then running beverage programs. Yeah. And not, and not just like working anywhere. I mean, you worked at some pretty heavy hitters in Chicago. You were at Graham Elliott, you were at Blackbird. I mean, those are incredible places. Like I I think like even at Blackbird, like there is not a single detail that isn't thought of 
when you're a guest, the, uh, having dinner there, you know, everything from the lighting to the aesthetic to the music to everything. It's one of those places where it's really a sensory experience. So like, you know, that that's a, you know, that's an incredible place to have a, a you know, run a beverage program for. I mean, I'm still impressed by that. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was amazing. And, and, you know, to work with Chef Paul Cahan, who's just one of the greatest American chefs out there. And we had a forager on staff. Amazing. So, <laughs> I mean, that was crazy. So like every two to three months, he'd come in from out of the woods and had Stop all his it. bags of stuff. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and he would come in from out of the woods and had just bags and bags of stuff. And the chefs and I would sit down and we'd taste different herbs or a mushroom or I'd find out what they were going to cook with. And I would start to think of what cocktails can I create that would pair with their food. So it was, you know, Amazing. it was very, very, very organic. And we obviously we work seasonally. The kitchen did. So my menu was seasonal to go with theirs. And it was it was amazing. I, I probably had the biggest breadth of growth in my years at Blackbird. Yeah. You know, it's funny you were talking about foraging because on an episode of um, the other podcast that we had, we actually were joking about um, trends, like trends in cocktail culture now and things that are just kind of, you know, a little much. Um, and one of the things that we were discussing was like people like, you know, you go into a cocktail bar and you get someone behind the bar who takes themselves very seriously <laughs> and they're talking about everything is foraged and you're just like, okay. Just can you just make me a drink? I don't know. I don't know how like serious I want this experience to be. I just kind of want a cocktail. Um, right. And I think it, it it does vacillate, right? Like there's people that take themselves very seriously in our industry, a little too seriously, and then you get people where you're just kind of like, you know, I I go to a restaurant and I'm stress eating because I'm like, what is happening in here? And this place is a disaster. Right. Um, and then there's everything in between. You know, and that's why you have a great, that's why you and I have jobs, right? <laughs> like help, help support that. <laughs> help support, help train, find that middle ground. You know, obviously yeah. I'm not going to walk into like a dead rabbit and give Jack a recipe. I'm just, you know, like he can figure right. it out, you know, but not everyone is of that caliber, you know, and, and some of them are just like, we just need a highball. I'm like, great. Here's this brand and Coca-Cola. There you go. Call it a day. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm curious your thoughts on like cocktail competitions and and the like over the years, you know, especially with USBG and everything. How do you feel about them in general? And where do you think we could make some changes? I guess if if you think there's any changes to be made, because I think people put a lot of stock in the competition and some stuff gets lost in between. Do you have any mm -hmm. thoughts on that? Well, I think they're fantastic. Part of why I have the job I have now is because of competitions, you know, I always tell people, I do a seminar called Compete with Confidence um, that I'll, when I'm out in market, and I've done it virtually a couple of times too um, over the last two years. And I talk about why do competitions. And as I always say, no, none of us are millionaires. So I can't hire my own PR agency or take out ads for myself to really differentiate myself from the rest of the field. Mm -hmm. But when you win a cocktail competition or you participate, it's networking, you know, there's travels, there are educational mm -hmm. opportunities. Um, it does build confidence. You know, you become a better presenter. Um, I learned to simplify drinks too, you know, because sometimes definitely when I started on the craft side, it was very, very fussy, overcomplicated. And I really learned how to hone in on my flavors. Um, so for me, I see great, great benefits from it. Um, competitions have been evolving and we have one at Heaven Hill, the bartender of the year. 
which I help create and curate and work with our team. And what we've really tried to do, and I've seen some of the other ones, I know uh, Bombay Sapphire has shifted this year, Diageo has shifted theirs this year, is to make it really more about supporting the whole bartender. So not just who can get the most likes, you know, mm-hmm. I think we've seen the last of those, I hope, because those drive me crazy because those are just mm-hmm. popularity contests and it has nothing to do with your skill set. But it's, you know, putting things in like service to community, you know, do you understand mm-hmm. what hospitality is? Because so many people don't understand what hospitality it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this year we had in our pillars, we brought in DEI initiatives, um, focusing on health, mental and physical health education, um, mm-hmm. sustainability. And we awarded essentially grants to those who not only made a great cocktail, but really wanted to do something in those fields. So I think there's a lot that we can do with citizenship. I do think the one thing that really needs to um, happen in competitions, though, is you still go and see all the people. It's still predominantly white men. Um, and I think a lot of brands and just really finding out how do we get into those communities that don't feel that they're going to be represented or appreciated or that their flavors are, you know, I go out of my way. I'm like, please promote this during, you know, I want diversity. I want, I want, you know, gender variation. I want a variety of ethnicities and cultures showing up here. You know, it just shouldn't be for this one sex. So I think we have to really work on figuring out how to make it more approachable so anybody who wants to try can try. I think about that a lot in a bigger picture, not just in cocktail competitions, but you know, I'm interested on in your thoughts on this as well. Like one of my questions actually to you was about diversity in our industry because I work on a couple of business resource groups uh, at the company I work for. We talk a lot about recruiting and getting people involved. And, you know, even at the top of my company, it, it looks all the same generally all the same. And in our industry, it's very predominantly um, men and it's very predominantly white men. And and there's a lot more women coming through now, but you don't see as many people of color. And I, I, I wonder, like, you know, we have all these like initiatives and I hear people say that I work with, like, there's just not that many people in the industry. And I'm like, you know, people of color. And I'm like, that's not true. Um, so I've spent a lot of time this year looking um, you know, listening to podcasts and really finding those like active voices in the community and black and brown community who are really like doing a lot of things. And I wonder if it's just like this failure generally in the bigger companies to see those people and bring them in. And um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I think it has to all start with intention and making intentional choices. So for example, you know, I get asked to, write pieces and such all the time, or what are my favorite books? And I think when we think in the industry, you know, we'll rattle off the top four books, but, and we go to the same people and they get the same exposure, but there's so many others. So I make sure like I am, there's a female author that I'm including. There is an author of color or indigenous in there that I'm including. And this is why, and people are like, oh, I forgot about that book that's out there, you know? And it's the same with who you hire for events. Um, I'm very, very intentional. If you've ever seen um, an event that I have done, you will see that I'm very, very intentional with who I hire and it's none of the usual players. And I, I look to hire a lot of women. I look for diversity, whether it's, um, 
ethnic, racial, LGBTQA status. I'm like, I want to hire and put our resources and give them a chance to be showcased. So I think mm-hmm. it's that is just really having to be intentional and not just kind of be lazy and go to the same people over and over again. Um, and that takes a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. Here in Chicago, it was interesting coming up. I mean, I was probably the only black female bartender in the craft scene 15 years ago. But there are a lot of really great black bartenders. They just weren't feeling welcomed in the craft scene. And I'm seeing that change. And I'm seeing people being more vocal, particularly in communities that have been underrepresented, like we're here. Things like Speed Rack have also been great, you know, to showcase Mm -hmm. women, our badassery. And um, and all of those are intentional things. So, yeah. yeah. Do you have any um, suggestions for, I guess, people that work on, you know, the supplier side when they want to create an atmosphere or at least create the conversation with their leadership? Because I'm sure you you have those intentional conversations at Heaven Hill with leadership around you that they listen to you. So for someone like me or someone that works for another bigger company, you know, do you have any suggestions of ways that you've been able to kind of influence that conversation in a positive way? I mean, part of it is bottom line. And there's so many studies out there that say that the more diverse your work group is, the better the bottom line is. So sometimes it's it's that depending upon the mindset of the specific company. I also like to, when I see other companies, whether it's another supplier, producer, distiller, you know, distributor that are doing really good things. I love to share those programs with my higher ups and mm-hmm. our teams. And it's like, this is really successful and this is the reach that it is getting. And there's a whole new audience. Um, and then, but I also do think it's, it's important to have some of those, you know, tough conversations, a conversation that I had about a year and a half ago, um, and several was like, can we stop using the word urban mm-hmm. and describe black and brown? I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I never <laughs> lived in an urban setting. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I know. I, I oh, lived in so the most suburban, so suburban oh, community. It's so cringy. <laughs> it, it's it's almost like we're they're trying so hard not to offend that they're actually offending people because they're like just painting everyone with this broad brush right all in the urban community yes fucking christ (laughs) oh yeah that one and and it was interesting though because it was it was i think for some people they thought they were doing the right thing and didn't understand but now i've seen a great trend within our company and those who we work with intentional what vendors we we use Mm. um you know where we are recruiting and i think it's fantastic and so the more and more that that happens, the more visible it becomes a better workplace, a healthier workplace, and it's going to attract better people. And I think that's also something that companies are going to pay attention to. Why aren't we attracting great talent? Oh, because mm-hmm. this company is kicking our butt over here with everything that they're doing and people want to go work for them. Right. You know, so yeah. you have to up your game. So, I mean, some of it is that bottom line. We live in a capitalistic society, so let's not pretend that that's not a factor. That's true. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I guess um, on a lighter note, um, let's talk about, we went right into the deep end of the pool and I love it. Lynn wasn't ready for the serious conversation. I started out like real like jokey and then I'm like, whoa, let's get serious. Here. <laughs> I want to talk about like spirits a little bit. Um, what's something, you know, for some of our listeners that maybe um, are trying their hand at making cocktails at home? Um, is there a recipe or something cool that you could say even a novice, just a few ingredients that they could make that you would say this is a good place to start and feel proud of yourself? I think a great place to start is a simple highball. Okay. You know, people really, um, I think, underestimate the power of a great highball. You know, I was in New York my one trip this year. I was in New <laughs> York and um, I had a phenomenal gin and tonic. And I was just like blown away. I'm like, gosh, it was so clean. And, you know, they did muddle a little herb in it. So there was just a little bit of a slight spin. So it's learning how to build those flavors. So start simple with like a three ingredient, you know, don't go out and pull out the cocktail book and think that you're going to, you know, make your syrup, make your bitters, make your tincture, make, just start mm -hmm. simple. And the best cocktails, a great Manhattan, a great old fashioned, a great highball are three, four ingredient cocktails. Mm -hmm. Um I love uh, if you if you want to be crafty, you know, uh, there's nothing better than a phenomenal old fashioned and it's so super simple. And then you can start to play around with what kind of bitters you use, maybe instead of just using a simple syrup with what, sh you know, mm -hmm. sugars you use. Um, I like to use jams and jellies all the time. So Ooh. suddenly it's like a peach old fashioned or a cherry old fashioned. I never um, even thought of using jam. Wow. See, oh. this is this is uh this is very helpful. Yeah. I use jams. 
I use jams and jellies all the time. And when I was black bread, I used to make jams and jellies and apple butter and store them, you know, for the season. And there was always a cocktail with that. So that's my one trick. My other trick, (laughs) and this one always makes people like raise their eyebrow because, you know, when you try to make a fruit puree and it can be kind of chunky and you're trying to create something, um, baby food. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Like, really? is there a specific kind or brand? I mean, I like Gerber's organic, like their plum or the uh, banana or the peach or the apple because it's a super silky texture. They've already genius. pureed it. They've already fine strained yep. it. The sugar, you know, it's for babies, so it's all organic. And I, um, gosh, years ago, I won the regionals for 42 Below. <laughs> They were like, this puree is a great one, is it? Oh, like, my God. I was like, it's baby food. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember the judges were like, what? Because they were like, how oh. did you get? They're like, how did you get these apples to be so silky? And I'm like, stop I t- it. I took a jar of Gerber's and I put it in a squeeze bottle. So you didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Dang. All right. You don't fuck around. See, I appreciate that so much because I think. For some reason, well, not for some reason. I know why. Because it can be intimidating, right? You go to a cocktail bar and you see someone using 35 little bottles and six different spoons and straining things. And you're like, yeah, I can't make this at home, which is also kind of the allure of going out in the first place. So not to knock that because it's it's amazing to go out and have a great experience. But I think a lot of people think that like it's got to be complicated. And what absolute fucking genius to take something as simple as baby food and pureed, or well, let's not call it baby food, let's say pureed fruits and vegetables that Gerber has done on your behalf <laughs> <laughs> to I really know, enhance sure, the drink. I'm sure Gerber's like, that is not what we were thinking about when we created Girl, you're going to get sponsored. They're going to <laughs> You're going to get your face on a jar of like peaches. Uh, of peaches. Guaranteed. Oh my gosh. And I love peaches. So that would be great. Um, ah, but, see? Oh, yeah. But tea is also another thing. I play around with a lot of tea um, mm-hmm. and um, like hibiscus tea is a favorite of mine right now. So yeah. I can take a classic margarita recipe and just make a hibiscus syrup with that. And suddenly I've got a hibiscus margarita and it's really yeah. easy and you can do it. And so, you know, just take those basic recipes and just, you know, tweak a little bit. No recipe is set in stone. You want it more spirited, make it more spirited. You want it more sour, more sweet. You know, know that you just want to do it to your palate. That's awesome. I also want to um, say I was looking at your Instagram the other day and you do something really friggin' cool in January because everyone, you know, goes back and forth, especially if you work in the wine and spirits industry. This idea of dry January can be almost impossible because you talk about booze all day. It's like it's one thing if you're selling cars or you work in a paint store or, you know, you're a real estate agent, you can maybe skip the booze because you're not it's not in your world. But when you're talking about booze all day, every day, it's really hard (laughs) to do a dry January because, you know, you get towards the end of the day, you're like, well, I'm talking about whiskey, you know, it'd be nice right now. Whiskey. It's a whiskey. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it'd be great. Um, but you do this thing called Juicy January, and I think it's so great just the way that you reframe it. You want to talk about that? Sure. So I did not create the idea of Juicy January. I actually read about it at the end of last year um, on Thirsty Magazine. So Tara, cool. and she's always posting these phenomenal articles, and it was Juicy January. I'm like, hmm. and she's like, what are your thoughts? And I can't think of the author's name, but 
author was writing about, again, that word intentional that I love to use. And dry January always just makes it sound like you're abstaining and like you just can't wait for February 1st to get around, you know, because you're like, Mm -hmm. um, but instead it's like, how about juicy January? It sounds fun. It sounds like you're at the club, you know, oh, we're going to go to this juicy January event. And it's just more about intentional, (laughs) about resetting yourself. So it's also incorporating, I'm going to work out. I've wrote a calendar. I'm going to work on my rolling machine that I haven't used for six months, at least six times this month, you know. Just some intentional things to kick in. And so when we think of spirit-free or non-alcoholic mocktail, whatever you want to have it, you know, there's still this that mindset of cranberry and club soda. So mm-hmm. I play around with a lot of flavors that I would use in a spirited cocktail. And as I say, with all of the recipes, like if you want to add a shot of whiskey or vodka or gin or whatever, you can. Or if you're, you know, entertaining, here's something that your spirited drinkers can enjoy, but also those who just like, whether it's an afternoon off, a week off, a weekend off. Yeah. Yeah. I was, da- when I, I um, when I was pregnant both times, you know, I would really measure a beverage program on whether they had an alternative uh, cocktail that I could have that didn't have liquor in it. Like, I'd be like, what is your... I don't want like a Shirley Temple. I really just don't want a cup of pineapple juice. Like, is there a capacity here to make me something delicious? And like, I was always so bummed out because it was just like, oh, I don't want just like a cup of orange juice. Thank you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's it's awesome. It's something everyone can enjoy. And I think that there's a big movement now towards, um, you know, non-alcoholic, even non-alcoholic spirits that are, you know, growing in popularity and um, you know, there's uh, like seed lip and then there's a uh, ritual and there's a couple other ones that I've yeah. tried that are, um, you know, they have the subscription services that are cool. And I think by and large, they're actually pretty good. I mean, they're a pretty, they're doing better than the non-alcoholic wine. Have you had non-alcoholic wine? Lynn? I have had, so I've been, I like non-alcoholic Prosecco. Oh, I have not had that. Who makes that? I've had, um... Hold on, I think I have a bottle right here. <laughs> Do you know what though? I actually, you know, I could see the allure Groovy. of that though because it's okay. Yeah. Well, so I could see that being good though because it's just like a bu- bubble and a flavor. Yeah. So they do a dry seco and they do a dry rose. I really like that. There was a brand that I had with us in New York. It's not in Chicago. I can't remember it. And they had like full service bottle. And I straight up thought, because it was during the day and we wanted bubbles, but I'm like, I got to work and it's during the day. Mm-hmm. And they had this, and I guess they make some dry wines as well. I think they're out of Washington. And we had it and I really thought that I was drinking Prosecco. Hmm. And it was nice. It was still kind of like a fun ladies lunch, you know, yep. but I went to my event <laughs> sober and on top of things. Nice. So, so I've enjoyed that, but I did buy, um, cause you know, I've been playing around, you know, this juicy January thing and I did buy a non-alcoholic wine. I can't think of what it was, but it was God awful. You know, um, <laughs> I, I tried one, I tried a Sauvignon Blanc in a restaurant a month or two ago and I, I was, and the bartender goes, what do you think? And I went, it tastes like grape juice. <laughs> there was exactly. mine was a Sauvignon Blanc, and it it not only it didn't taste like grape juice. It tasted like underripe grape juice. Yeah, so like exactly like they exactly. picked the grapes two months before they were ready and pressed yeah. it. And I was just like, I'm like I can't even like deglaze a pot with this. <laughs> or like it's, toss the bottle. <laughs> that's what it is. It's like the the fruit before it gets fermented. It's the juice. It's literally right. what it tastes like. It just it's like flat. So maybe, maybe we'll take some leaps and bounds and improve that for now. 
I'm not encouraging you not to drink because, um, you know, me and Lynn both make our livelihoods on drinkers. So yes. <laughs> keep drinking, keep drinking. Please. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, but I mean, people are, you're hearing that term sober curious being bounced mm-hmm. around a lot where it's just like, I have friends who are like, I'm only drinking on the weekends now, or I don't drink at home. I only drink if I'm going out, you know, and, and they want some options. And so, and it's life is just about balance anyhow, even within a yep. spirits company. I can't drink Manhattans all day long. I mean, I can, but it's not going to be really cute at the end of yeah. the night. No, you shouldn't. You can. And you I shouldn't. shouldn't. Yes. And we work in one of the only industries where like day drinking is not frowned upon and drinking at meetings is not frowned upon. I'm, like wrap your brain around that. That's uh, that's that's always a, that's always oh, yeah. a pickle. When you're doing a tasting at 9 a.m. in the morning and you're like, okay, high-proofed yep. whiskeys. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. Here we are with my bucket. You can always tell people that are like been doing this, uh, our, our business for a long time though, because we're the only ones spitting and everyone's like, why would you spit this out? It's like, because, because I have to. <laughs> like, and it's 9 a.m. <laughs> because it's 9 a.m. And this is not yeah. cute to me anymore. <laughs> like, this is not cute anymore. Totally. So what what's next for Lynn? Oh my gosh. What's next for Lynn? Well, Hopefully what's next for Lynn is that the world gets its ish together and yep. I can start traveling and going out again. I, my wings got clipped pretty much two years ago. So I've been home for 20, February of 2020 was my last trip. So I've almost been, I've almost been home for 24 months. I've been home for 22 and a half months. You look good for being home for 24 months. You were holding it together. You're you're on point with your jokes. You don't look like you've been living. <laughs> uh, you're catching me after some good sleep. And okay, good. <laughs> I was going to say, if you saw me last summer, I was just like, I can't take, like, I like walking around. I'm like, I hate these walls. I hate my furniture. I hate my decorations. That's why everything is backordered, Lynn. Everybody looked at their houses and they're like, shit, well, I got time to redo this thing. And now we can't buy anything without you can't it buy anything. Weeks. I know. I know. I mean, everyone in America. I, in the summer, I do garden. And so my garden was really on point because I was actually home every day to take care of it. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, what's next? I really hope to be back on the road doing some events within the next quarter. Nice. Um, I don't I don't have things scheduled until really March last week. Of, and so we'll see if how Omicron is treating us. Yeah. If I can do can that. Can I make a request? Can I make mm-hmm. a request of you? Can you please write a book? Well, I would like to write a book. Um, okay. I've I've actually have a friend of mine who just wrote a phenomenal, phenomenal cocktail book and uh, she self-produced it. She's a great friend. We've actually done forged cocktail events together. So, um, and so we are plotting next year to write a book um, together because we have a very similar philosophy as far as drinks and flavors. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would like to write a book. That is for sure. I like how you said plotting, not planning. There's a little bit of, (laughs) we are plotting to write this book. We're plotting like it's going to happen. Great. When you you plan, it's like unintentional. You're like, oh, I was planning on doing this, but I didn't. But you're like plotting just makes it seem more. Um, Yeah, it's more intense. Well, I would read that book. I would read that book when I would probably be using it more than any of my other cocktail books. um, Just to say, I think you're great and I think you're super creative. But I listen, thank you so much for doing this with me for my first season of this podcast, hopefully first of many. Um, and uh, if you don't know Lynn House, check her out on Instagram at what's your Instagram handle? Liquid Lady Lynn. I'm like, what is it? Liquid, Liquid Lady Lynn. Lynn. 
Yeah. Yes. And um, check out what she's doing um, on Instagram all the time. Sometimes she throws up recipes and she's a great follow and a really awesome human being. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you very much. This is a pleasure and happy new year. Happy new year. Yay. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.